Okay, welcome everybody. This is a reboot of a presentation I did a few months back in Mom's Health Club, and this is on rest and recovery. And so I tried to have a really thorough list of all the factors that affect a mom's rest and recovery and some strategies and supplements, what's going on on a nervous system level. And I hope that this explains some of what you might have been experiencing. And I hope you have some aha moments where you think, oh, that's it. That's the thing that's happening. And now I know a couple things at least that I can do about it. Obviously, moms cannot overhaul their lives just to uh, re rejuvenate their nervous system. So we'll be looking for any small steps, what's doable, and where where we might be contributing to our uh, stress just with our own minds or our own habits. And it's not strictly necessary, whatever we're doing. All right. So I want to start with this picture that I typically show the girls in health class. And this is about the difference between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. Now, one phrase people use for the parasympathetic system is it's the rest and digest system. It is the side of your nervous system that restocks your nutrients when there's no big emergency happening, which hopefully is most of the time. And your pupils are smaller. You have plenty of saliva, your stomach acid and gallbladder and intestines are all working well. HRV is your heart rate variability and your heart rate variability should be high. That means every beat is a little bit different than the beat before it. So much so that you should be able to feel it when you feel your pulse. And if you're feeling your pulse and you're breathing in and out slowly, you should feel your beats vary between when you breathe in and breathe out. Now you can have a fancy device that detects your heart rate variability and you know, tracks your pulse and it'll tell you whether your heart rate variability is high or low, but that's a little more fine tuned than you even need to be. If your heart rate variability is high, you can feel it. You can feel it when you measure your pulse. When you breathe in, it will speed up a little bit. When you breathe out, it will slow down a little bit. And we do this exercise in health class and some of the girls cannot feel any difference at all. Their nervous system is too stimulated. Whether they had some coffee or they didn't sleep well, they're just worried, whatever. They're amped up, they're anemic. We go through some of the possible scenarios why that could be. But you want your heart rate variability to be high most of the time. Now, if you have an emergency, your heart rate speeds up, but your variability goes down. So when you're under stress, you want a fast and very steady heart, heartbeat. You don't need your body to be super responsive to whether you're breathing in or out. Because this is the emergency side of things, and you'll have less salivation, less activity in your stomach and intestines. You're going to release some epinephrine and norepinephrine. And when your heartbeat rises, your, your airways open up. So this would all be great if you have an emergency, you deal with the emergency, you get that epinephrine process through your system and you go back to the rest and digest stage. But what often happens is 
we have a lot going on in our minds. We have so many plates that we are juggling as moms in so many different areas that we feel need our attention that our sympathetic system ends up activated a lot of the time, not on a, let me take the frying pan and chase away the bear level, but on kind of a lower level where we're continually drawing on our resources more than we are building our resources back up. And you can see how long-term, if you have a long-term stressful situation, this is how you would get something like adrenal fatigue because the epinephrine and norepinephrine are literally made in your adrenals that sit on top of your kidneys. And it takes a long time to restock your resources when you've been drawing on it, because you're not only drawing on your resources from your adrenals, you could be pulling minerals out of your bones. You could be pulling protein out of your muscles. If you go through a period where you're very stressed and you're not eating very much, those amino acids need to come from somewhere. Even though you have enough fat to survive, you need protein to make enzymes to keep your body running or you would just actually die. And so the other thing um, besides your bones losing minerals, besides your, your muscles losing protein, is there's a number of other resources like iron or iodine that you tend to eat less of when you're very busy. Most people don't sit down for wonderful steak dinners in the middle of a family crisis. So it's very easy to end up behind on a number of nutrients. Even if you weren't drawing that heavily, you're just not restocking them very well when it's a very busy time. So I would encourage you to maybe try feeling your heart rate. This is a really easy way to get some feedback on how much you're able to relax yourself. Because if you sit and think about palm trees or the beach or whatever is relaxing for you, you can often settle down your nervous system in a matter of minutes, such that you can feel a little more variability in your heart rate. Any questions so far? Just go ahead, type anything in the chat or raise your hand, especially since there's just the two of you. Um, what about when you're, it, it, you've been doing so much for so long that even your, I don't know whether it's because your electrolytes get low within your body or what, but you end up with premature ventricular contractions. Is that related or no? Yeah, I think it would be related. Yeah, and it is it is because of electrolytes being low. Obviously, you're too young to have super clogged arteries. It's an electrolyte yeah. balance thing. But that, again, comes back to your kidneys. When you're continually challenging your body, um, your kidneys have so much to do in terms of sodium and potassium regulation that it's just, it's just easier for your, your... It's easy for your heart to end up short. Also, if you're not eating enough fat um, or and just enough... CoQ10, that can make a difference too, because obviously your heart is such a high draw muscle um, that, that that compromising of the resources for muscle is pretty noticeable. I've found it helpful to take CoQ10 or a dried heart animal supplement for a period of time. That's made a big difference. Um, yeah. My tendency to have, yeah. but also they, they only do happen when I get very behind on eating and very behind on hydration. And then it's very much a hydration thing. So there's some really good hydration beverages like um, 
liquid IV or element. I think they're both powdered. So you can just kind of mix them up to whatever concentration you want. Or the cheap way is um, dilute some fruit juice and put salt in it because then you're getting sodium, potassium, and sugar. So that would be the, that'd be the budget way to do it. But well, the liquid IV stuff actually tastes really good. There's, there's another thing that, that I started doing because we live in Texas and it's so darn hot and it just seems to really, really take it out of me um, is I mix um, spring water with molasses and apple cider vinegar and honey and lemon and something else. Um, uh, I've been, I've been told the official name for it from over the centuries is called hay water, but it's supposed to put the probiotics and the minerals and the electrolytes and everything into you because it's so depleted with the extra stress on your body from the heat and the humidity and even trying to do anything is, is and that totally sounds like it would work. Yeah, I can I can totally see why there's there's B vitamins and a few minerals in the molasses, and you've got the the sourness of the vinegar. It's a huge problem when it's hot that you just end up under eating, right? It cuts your appetite so dramatically. It's really hard to stay on top of calories, and I'll find myself getting really hungry in the morning or evening when um, when it's not so hot, but it's hard to catch up on all your calories after seven o'clock at night. So I think it's just a summer problem. And I think the main thing is hydration to stay on top of it. Yeah. Well, my one question for that would be, it would doing that regulate my blood sugar over time or dysregulate it? Oh, no, I don't think there's enough I don't think there's enough sugar in something like that to dysregulate your blood sugar when you basically need the calories. If you, okay. were, if you were having a ton of honey on top of eating a huge amount of calories, that's, that's a different thing, but you're probably under caloried given the heat. And yeah. so at that point, the honey, the honey has places to go. It's fine. It's just going to, it's okay. going to restock your muscles and liver before it raises your blood sugar. Also with the apple cider vinegar and the minerals, I, I don't, I don't see it being a huge blood sugar hit, but you can check it. If you're curious, I bet you have a monitor somewhere. No, you, I do. you could buy one from CBS for like 40 bucks and test it out. Yep. yep. So um, this is a just a screenshot of your brain. Again, this is something we go over in the high school health class. And I just wanna point out the different functions in different parts of your brain. When we're sleep deprived or stressed, the front part of our brain gets kind of impaired. We're not good at planning, reasoning, problem solving, morality, recognizing emotions, et cetera right? The, the back part of our brain kind of goes into overdrive because this is all the stuff that helps keep you alive. So again, this is why it can be harder to make good decisions and good plans when you already feel really tired and stressed. And I feel like this is part of why quality sleep, however much you can get, is really important for being a good parent because it's all these frontal lobe things that are going to be the difference between being a good parent and a mediocre parent especially if you have a short temper or you're just kind of generally impatient like me. But when they do cognitive tests, the automatic parts of people's brain are slower to suffer from sleep deprivation than the front parts. So the analysis and logical reasoning suffers first 
you can keep doing the automatic things on quite a short amount of sleep. And we did talk a little bit in the metabolism class about how being underslept and being tired will compromise your metabolism and change how you process insulin. So that has its own problems. Now, the last thing I wanted to show you before we get into the slides is <clears throat> cortisol. And I think this is where a picture is worth a thousand words. So this is an ideal, this is a cortisol curve. It's supposed to go up in the, in the morning and actually wake you up. Okay. This is part of how you wake up. You see it's, it's rising before it's even six in the morning right here. This is part of how our blood sugar is high, can be high in the morning, is that our cortisol has told our liver to dump some sugar into our blood to help us wake up. It would be very hard to get out of bed with super low cortisol. Now, what can happen if you are very, very tired is your body gets into an opposite kind of cortisol pattern. So instead of it rising in the morning, and then going down in the afternoon and down and down, which is what you want to happen because as your cortisol goes down, your melatonin production can rise. So cortisol and melatonin are kind of opposites. But if your cortisol is high throughout the day, or it's high on the wrong on the wrong pattern. Here we'll do this. Then your let's see here in this picture. Um, so this is very high, very high in the morning. This is another thing. They have all these different kind of variations. It could be high all day if you're under a ton of stress, right? If you're right in the middle of a crisis. But the most common patterns I hear about with moms sound more like this one, where you drag yourself through your morning, your energy picks up at some point in the afternoon, and you get this burst of energy in the evening. So it's nine o'clock at night and you want to vacuum and do a ton of chores because you're like, finally, I've got some energy and the kids are asleep and this is my moment and I can get the house clean and I know I'm going to feel like crap in the morning. So at least I can wake up to a clean house and then you clean till 10 or 11 and maybe have a hard time falling asleep and then drag yourself to the next morning. So this is a pattern that can develop long-term when you have a period where you have to continually push yourself through fatigue because you just have to. And then it becomes a habit that your body really doesn't make the cortisol in the right time but you just power through every exhausted morning, get a little lift in the afternoon, do something with your evening, okay? And then here's the other one where it's just kind of <laughs> low all day. You're just, you're just really, really, you know, exhausted all day, okay? So this is, a good, this is a good kind of overview of the different patterns. But most commonly when I'm talking to a woman who's exhausted, She's either saying, I'm exhausted every morning. I get a little bit of energy in the afternoon and evening. And then I try to get some things done. 
Or she's saying I'm exhausted all the time. More like the second one. Okay, and I don't know if these either of these ring true for you. I know there have been periods where I've been in probably each of these for some period of time. And one of the things is if your cortisol is high throughout the day, um, I mean, I've definitely had the edgy and confrontational in the morning where it's really high and I need to just change everything and try to take everything down a few notches. And I've definitely, you know, the week before a holiday, you could have it high the whole week, right? Which is part of why people get sick as soon as it's Christmas. Because your cortisol lets down, your body's like, finally, we can clean some house on your immune system. All right, so now we'll go to the slideshow. So here my goal was to try to gather the big picture of what's going on with sleep and energy. And again, raise your hand, type questions in the chat as you think of things. So here's a list of sleep disruptors, which I think is probably familiar to everyone here. Mental stressors are huge and very often those are the main ones. Oh, super high wake. Okay, so you're having kind of variation of both of those, Monica? Yeah. Um, travel visitors, house guests, particularly if it's, you know, awkward house guests like in-laws or the family that you feel will judge you. Lights, noise, kids in bed. Obviously that's very dysregulating for your sleep. Um, many people are not able to go with their natural circadian rhythm because of parenting. So you could be an extreme morning person and yet your kids are not morning people and you have to stay up to a certain extent to just be a parent in the evenings or vice versa. Some people are totally not morning people and they've got to just continually challenge themselves to get up. And most people have kind of a lull in their energy in the afternoon. And moms often just power through that because they don't have an easy way to take a nap or they don't want to take a nap because they feel like they need every minute to stay on top of the house. Um, unfinished business, right? Just all the things kind of hang over your head. You're trying not to forget. If you have a history of poor sleep, then of course that creates that expectation. Not enough time to unwind. Um, just, you know, you're parenting, you're taking care of the house till the last second before you go to sleep kind of thing. And back pain and restless legs can be pretty common in pregnancy and as people get older, right? Just the wear and tear accumulates. Let's see here. Uh, you need to use the bathroom. This is more so as you get older, husband snoring, hot flashes, certain times of month, you know, you might get a little bit sweatier at night. Sometimes this happens to me during my period now when my hormones are lower. Um, the alarm and anticipating the alarm. In many cases, if the husband's alarm goes off early and he's a snoozer, the wife gets trained to wake up with the husband's alarm. 
which means that you never get to sleep in even when your kids would be sleeping in. So ask me how I know. Um, uh, an irregular schedule, like if your husband does shift work, that's obviously going to really change, you know, when everybody's awake and asleep. Or if you're a nurse, that would obviously be your own schedule. And lastly, moms often choose to stay up late to get time alone, even though they know they will be tired. <laughs> and rolling her eyes at me. She's like, what are you talking about? They may say, I'm going to be tired anyway. At least I got some time alone. And I've talked to so many moms in this situation. And in many cases, this is a mom who is a little on the anxious side. And even though her kids would let her nap during the day or give her some time alone during the day, it doesn't feel restful to her the way it feels when her kids are actually asleep and she feels that the day is done. And, um, I'm a pretty heavy napper, so it's a little bit mysterious to me why it wouldn't help if your kids would leave you alone. But these, but if you are maybe a nicer mom than me and you feel more on call for your kids, that afternoon rest is helpful. It's very helpful for managing your cortisol levels, but you might not be able to sleep or you might not really feel like it's quality time alone, especially if it's not that long. But if you are able to have your kids leave you alone for an hour or two, and you can do whatever you would do at night, which for many moms is just watching a movie or something kind of that feels adult. Uh, obviously, you wouldn't have the glass of wine with your movie at one in the afternoon, but you could still watch the movie. So that's a thought. So um, mental sleep aids are obviously unloading your to-do list and writing down whatever you need to get off your chest from the day, write down what you're grateful for. Even in the morning, this is, sets your whole day to be nicer, but in the evening, that can be a nice way to close out your day. Um, reading something, personally, I don't find that reading on my phone keeps me awake. If it's a novel, it just, I'm still gonna fall asleep. Also, I put my phone on a very low light setting at night. So who knows? Um, get the house tidy enough and let it go. Some of the moms who I know who seem healthier through their aging years are moms who don't do the dishes at night and they're just candid. They're like, no, I tell my husband either, they say they tell their husband, either I can watch a movie with you or I can clean the kitchen. He said, watch a movie with me. And she said, fine, you're gonna wake up to a pile of dishes, but I won't do both. So that's a mom with, with boundaries. Yeah, so if you, this is the thing, if you have more energy in the morning and you know that you'll probably still want to stay up at night with the husband, then that's where I think the midday rest nap thing, it might not be ideal from a circadian rhythm perspective, but it kind of works for the, you know, there we'll talk about some tricks to stay up to be fun for the husband. But also, I don't think it's realistic for the husband to expect that every night. And probably the husband needs more sleep too. So some physical sleep aids are weighted blankets or extra blankets is what we do. Um, shower or steam your face, rinse your hands and wrists under cold water. I read about this when I was a little kid and every once in a while I still try it. It kind of does the job. It's kind of similar to taking a bath in the sense that it, it draws blood to your extremities 
by putting cold water or something really like an ice pack on your wrists, it'll draw blood to your extremities and cool your core, which I guess is how it works. Um, stretch, um, starting with standing and ending on the floor. So if you've had these kind of nighttime stretch routines, they'll, there'll be more and more floor stuff as the routine goes on. So you want to, you don't want to stretch and stand up and kind of activate your body. You want to start out st stretching, bending over, then get down on a mat and just stretch out your legs and make it super mellow and kind of boring. Um, white noise, you know, there's all different white noises you can get or Gregorian chant music. I actually put my five-year-old to sleep at three in the afternoon by making her listen to Gregorian chant for about 40 minutes and she just crashed. I'm going to try this more often, but it is, it is very relaxing. It's the rhythm of it. And there's eight hour, actually, I think it's an 82 hour playlist for Gregorian chant on Spotify. So you can just press play, go to sleep, turn it off in the morning and press play again for the week. It'll just keep going and going. No ads if you pay for the premium or the family plan of Spotify. It just goes and goes. So it works great. Um, exercising earlier in the day. For some people, exercising or even taking a brisk walk in the evening dysregulates their ability to fall asleep easily at night. Depends on the person. But just to be aware, this is a possibility. And my friend who's most prone to insomnia had to stop walking in the evening and just walk in the morning or at lunchtime. Um, room temperature is a big factor for some people, whether it's too warm or cold. Guys often like it colder. And if your husband likes it colder, then the upside is you can put on more blankets. And decorating your room is kind of a more big picture question, but if you really don't like your bedding or <clears throat> the furniture, it does make a difference. You know, it's nice. It's a nice feeling when your room feels more relaxed, more spa-like. It's so easy to have mom's room end up being a dumping ground for all the unfinished business of the house. So not only do you have it on your mind, but you literally have it in your space. The, the physical manifestation of whatever decisions you need to make or stuff you need to mend or sew or put away or sort through. So yeah. You can't stand any light. Yeah. Do you wear a mask in? Uh, no. Um, <clears throat> my kids lost it a long time ago and I just never got myself another one. So I resorted to just putting my, my forearm over my eyes while I sleep. Um, yeah. or just trying to keep the room as dark as possible. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what to do, but, um, it will, if, if, um, for some reason the light has to be on and I end up just falling asleep out of pure desperation, then I wake up over and over and over again. It's like, it pulls me awake and keeps me from getting that deep sleep or I have just that exhaustion induced deep sleep that feels kind of panicky at the same time. Um, and I tried explaining this to my kids, to my husband. Will they turn on the light? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They will turn on the light. Um, 
And I just, just have come, to, they come in the room, they turn on the light and then they forget to turn it off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or it, it's, it, it's just, I just have to have absolute quiet and absolute, um, uh, <clears throat> yes. Um, or I do not sleep very well. Um, yeah. and as, as I've gotten older, I don't have that period of time. Um, so frequently anymore where I'm falling asleep, it's just like I'm awake and then I'm asleep because I'm just so worn out. And then other times because I've tried to stay up and spend time with John and then he wants to do, and by spend time with, I mean, just like talking to him or he's, he had said earlier in the day, he, he wanted to watch a movie. So I stay up. And then for whatever reason, he decides he wants to do something else. I'm still, because I have pulled myself through and prevented myself <clears throat> from going to sleep um, when I wanted to on my own, it takes me two to three hours just to pull myself back down from the ramping up that I had to do internally just to stay up to then fall asleep. And then it ruins me for the rest of the week. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Now, I mean, partly, partly that's just a normal thing that happens with humans. So if you were tired and you power through, you'll get a little burst of energy and then it will be hard to fall asleep for about another 90 minutes, at least maybe two hours. But it sounds like you're getting the more extreme version of that. <clears throat> and the, what happens to me that happened twice this week, that a kid needed to be picked up late from an event. One night a kid was getting picked up at 1030, which is not my, not my ideal time to be driving. And then last night, someone was getting picked up at 930. So I didn't get home till, yeah, after 10. And I had had some caffeine in the afternoon to be sure I could make it through the whole evening productively. And when I got home, I actually just took melatonin, had a carby snack. I had a bowl of applesauce and then I went to sleep because I know from experience what you are describing can happen. And it's just a kind of a waste of part of the night. So also I knew I needed to wake up for this, right? If I didn't have to wake up at a certain time the next morning, I might just not take anything, let myself fall asleep. But you have littler kids than me, Anne. So you need to... If you get into that, I would just pop something. I would take something that you can feel pretty sure will help you fall asleep. Um, you don't have some little newborn that you're going to roll over or anything like that, where it would even be the worst thing ever if you took an actual sleep medicine, not Ambien, but um, Trazodone. I think Trazodone is the one that people feel like is pretty lightweight, but effective. Um, but for me, I... Like last night, I just took a little three milligram melatonin and ate that applesauce. And then I went to sleep pretty easily. So I don't want to live like that. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be like every day I'm going to have caffeine at four in the afternoon. And then I'm going to like, have after I have my upper, I'll have my downer at 10 o'clock at night. But, and melatonin works better if you're not using it all the time. That seems to be the consensus for most people. Um, but it's great that it's there if you need it. So, well, me if if i take a melatonin i can take a one milligram and it makes me fall asleep but if if but but then the rest of the following day i feel like everything's off and if i have caffeine past 
maybe noon or one o'clock, I'm just like this for oh. the rest of the day and feel even more tired by the next morning. When I basically have to make sure that I cut off caffeine by 11 o'clock mm -hmm. um, so that I can have that, that normal rundown of the energy. Yeah. And yeah, if you're more like, sensitive to it. For an example, I stayed up too late the other night <clears throat> um, because the kids were just wound up. They had had way too many naps that day um, uh, because I had done some driving and they automatically fall asleep right. in the car. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and so they didn't fall asleep until 10 o'clock at night. They just couldn't, wouldn't, whatever. I finally resorted to the melatonin. Um, for them, it was the one milligram chewable things for them. Um, and I made myself not fall asleep in their room. But I'm going to make sure that figure out how to keep Vivian from wanting to nurse all night long, because that's another thing. She nurses all night long. Yeah. And I wake up in the morning like, ah, granted, I oh, have she's, more. She's two. Yeah. She's two. Yeah. Yeah. So I made myself go to my own bed. John was playing video games and I know <laughs> I sleep. That's a bigger problem than the kids. Let's just, oh, I know. Let's just own it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's but another conversation anyway um so I know I fell asleep in my room but the next morning I woke up in the kids room and I do not for the life of me remember going from my I room we, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if you don't remember doing something that's very automatic I think that's I mean it is weird it's weird it is of course weird because the way that I've been for years is I'm a light sleeper to the sound of children needing me which yeah. is why I Monica, with, you have five, right? You have five kids. Yeah. So I've got, uh, I've got four kids, but, but the, uh, I got more sleep while they were newborns and stuff because they slept with me and I didn't have to actually get up, but I would wake up and every, every time they needed to nurse and I'm still in that mode, or at least I thought I was, where if I heard that they needed me or they were crying, I would actually wake up, up wake up enough to be aware and I yeah. would remember every single time. The fact that I didn't remember it bothered me. <laughs> I think this might be mind drama. I don't, I mean, nothing I don't that happened. It's not like you're sleepwalking. But to not remember it, it means that I didn't wake up enough. Or maybe it's a good thing that I was still yeah. in deep I enough. I think this sounds like a melatonin success story. The melatonin maybe calmed your nervous system down. Maybe that's why you feel so discombobulated in the morning because you're sleeping so much harder and your body is switching over to more, trying to do more rest and recovery. And this is the thing that happens if we've been going and going and then we slow down and we kind of crash, we feel awful, awful for weeks, at least. It could be longer depending on how long you were pushing yourself. It could be months that you just don't feel that great. And I have talked to so many people over the years where they say, okay, I believe I need to get more sleep. We had our talk. I'm trying to get more sleep. And now I feel more tired. And that's because your body has gotten the message that the emergency is over and it is time to recover. And if you think of, you know, Frodo and all of them going to Rivendell and they basically just slept right? They all just kind of slept and chilled for three weeks or however long, right? Um, 
that's, that's basically what's happening. You know, you go and you go, and then when you have the opportunity to crash, your body will try to crash you hard. And then people are confused because they, they think, well, I should be feeling better right away because I'm getting more sleep. That's true. If you're just a little behind on your sleep, if you just had a busy week and you, you know, you sleep in a couple of days or you take a long nap on the weekend, you should feel better pretty quickly. But if it's been months of this, it's not going to be a fast thing and you may actually feel worse. And when they've done sleep studies where they put people in basically a cave environment and they let them sleep as much as they want, many of the people in the study were sleeping for the majority of the 12 hours that they were in their cave every night. <laughs> I see every say, oh my gosh. Yeah, this was an experiment. I'll, I'll describe this experiment. It was. It's in this book called the power of rest. And hopefully I'm remembering the details well enough, but basically a bunch of people agreed to be in a sleep study. The sleep study was replicating a cave like environment. It was a dark, cool room that they got to go sleep in, or they were supposed to do this in their own house or something. They were going to be in that dark, cold place for 12 hours out of every 24. And a bunch of these people, they were watching how they slept, of course. It was going to be a six-month study. A bunch of them slept most of those 12 hours for the first month or two. And many of them did describe being more tired and being like, whoa, I have never slept this much. I have no idea I could sleep this much. And I'm still kind of tired. And then they start spontaneously sleeping less after their initial recovery period, then they go to sleeping eight or nine hours a night. Some of them went into this split sleep cycle or they'd get up and they'd write in their journal. I think they were allowed to use a little light or something if they really wanted to. They'd get up and journal or pray or just think about their life. And so by the end of the study, several people said, I have never been so happy in my life. The last time I felt this happy was when I was a kid. All my relationships are better. I have joy in my life. These were the comments that people were making after several months of actually getting enough sleep. And a bunch of them said, I don't, even if the study ends, I'm still going to put myself in a dark room for 10 hours out of every 24. I, I like, I can't go back. I can't go back to how I was living before. So I don't know. You got to get your, got to get the husband from playing video games somewhere else. Oh no, it's in the living room. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, it's in the living room. Um, it's it's just um, we have finally gotten over the last couple of weeks. We finally got the kids out of our bed um, yes. because I got their bunk beds. That's a process when you move because you just you moved what four months ago. I mean, they just get insecure. Uh, we closed on our house the end of April. So, but um, yeah. Yeah, I I had the bunk beds in there, but I couldn't finish setting up the beds for them to sleep on them until I finished taking out the floor and then trying to put something down. Yeah, so I didn't breathing in the raw concrete dust. Um, all the wonderful parts. Welcome, of Rebecca. Welcome. We're just kind of talking about um, different factors that compromise mom's sleep and. Well, some supplements and things we can do about it. I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of these. 
Um, so one of the most studied supplements is valerian. It's considered to be pretty reliable, not super habit forming. And sleepy time extra tea has a little bit of valerian in it. So I think that's probably the best way to just see if it works for you. You can also buy a valerian tincture and just put some in your drink. I always do worry about stuff making me sleep too soundly, but I figure anything that's on the shelf as a tea is not really pharmaceutical grade at all. And the chamomile plus valerian tea seems to help me not wake up in the middle of the night. It seems that the valerian calms my mind because often it's my mind that wakes me up in the middle of the night. It could be also not eating enough carbs or something else, but it feels like my mind woke me up and I'm just suddenly awake thinking a bunch of thoughts and it's two in the morning and I really should just go back to sleep. Even that is not the end of the world if you have the ability to sleep in. If you have a nine hour sleep window and you miss 45 minutes in the middle, life will go on. Nereva, is that another supplement with valerian? I haven't tried that one. Um, natural factors sleep is uh, little lozenges. It's called, it's natural factors, stress relief sleep or something like that. It's a white bottle. It has lozenges. And for the kids, I'll break a lozenge. I don't give a kid a whole lozenge. It would be too strong. I first used this when I was trying, I was traveling with kids. My mom gave me some lozenges and she said, why don't you give these to the kids so they sleep on the plane? And I was like, oh, the kids are fine. Kids are fine. Then as we were getting on the plane, it was clear the kids were going to be kind of cranky. So I gave them each a quarter of a lozenge as we settled ourselves in our seats and all three of the kids were asleep before the plane took off. So it worked scary well. And then I didn't take it because I thought, what if I need to help my kids? I'm going to be asleep like a rock. So it does work. Again, I try not to use it too often because anything you use often, you can adapt to. And my kids don't have such extraordinary sleep problems, but we do have it. Well, it'll take us like a year to go through a bottle but it also works for me. So I'll take one lozenge if I need to fall asleep. And it has melatonin, 5-HTP, theanine. It has, a, you know, has a variety of things. There's a lot of sleep supplements out there that have a combination of different factors that are proven to work. So probably most of them do work. Uh, magnesium, particularly if you have the restless legs or the leg cramps that are compromising your sleep, or an Epsom salts bath, because then you have some magnesium plus the heating your body. Then when you get out of the bath, your skin gets chilled. Your body sends a bunch of blood to your skin to even out your temperature and it cools your core. And that dropping of the core temperature is part of how we start sleep. You've probably seen this if you've been at a party or a barbecue. You're sitting outside and sitting outside and all of a sudden you feel super cold. And it's not just that the temperature dropped at night, it's that your temperature dropped inside you as part of the process of initiating sleep. And that's part of why people like these cooling pads under their sheets. You get on the cold pad in the cold room, it drops your temperature, then it helps you fall asleep. Especially for kind of amped up guys that have trouble falling asleep. The cooling pads sound like they're a really big hit. 
Um, some people like the Calms Forte, those um, homeopathic, and obviously melatonin. Now, melatonin is what your body naturally makes. So if I had a kid whose sleep was extraordinarily dysregulated, I might give them melatonin every night. And I've known some people who had to do that because there was just something wrong with their kids. Sleep. However, for myself, I don't want to ever get to the point where I adapt to melatonin. And most people do adapt to melatonin over time. It doesn't work as well. And your body will make less of it than your body normally would. So I don't want to wreck something that actually kind of works. So now I want to talk about it from the other side, which is how do you get more energy? So obviously worry or anxiety are pretty huge ones being overscheduled because <laughs> that's kind of what happens. I know Monica's kids have nonstop camps all summer. You got to make the most of it in Alaska. Um, and Rebecca, Rebecca has more kids than almost all of us put together. So even more so um, competing obligations, just either with, within the family or with your family and other things social pressure to do all sorts of things. Uh, difficult relationships are a huge energy sapper, right? That kind of just feeling of failure when a relationship is going poorly. And that loss of sense of control or efficacy that can make us kind of very passive and not engaging our brain to problem solve. We just end up being like, oh, whatever. And physical energy sappers. So if you have low iron or zinc, we talked a little bit about anemia in the thyroid, the thyroid presentation. Um, zinc is necessary for all your biological processes. And I find that the elderberry zinc gummies are the easiest way for me to take zinc, but just be aware with iron or zinc, but particularly zinc, if you take it on an empty stomach, it can make you feel nauseous. So you wanna take these with food. But these are two of the most common nutrients that would make you feel less energetic if you were missing them. If you have unsteady blood sugar, obviously you would have moments where you feel plenty of energy and then you're gonna crash. Having high insulin just makes you feel gross. Even if your blood sugar is not testing that high, it just doesn't feel great to have your insulin high. Um, if your thyroid is low, or your cortisol is low, like those charts we looked at at the beginning, that's going to sap your energy. If your thyroid is low, everything is kind of in low gear. If you don't have enough carbs or protein, you're going to feel less energetic. So the carbs lack will make you feel less energetic because you don't have any of the fast fuel and you're relying more heavily on whatever fat your body can mobilize, which it might not be mobilizing very effectively. Your muscles will feel, feel tired if you don't have glycogen in them. And your liver might not have enough of a store of glycogen to drip it out into your bloodstream. So this can happen when you're on a low carb diet or if you're just very busy or you don't have a sweet tooth or you're nursing a very active baby 
they're skimming the sugar right out of your blood. And if you don't need enough carbs to go along with that, if you're starting back into a heavy exercise routine or just ramping up your exercise while you're nursing a baby, <clears throat> that makes it more complicated to stay on top of your carb needs and your calorie needs. If you're not eating enough protein, the reason that that will sap your energy is you won't make as many of the enzymes. Protein is a building block for a lot of the chemicals we use in our body. And if you're not eating enough fat, this isn't on the list, but you will tend, or cholesterol, you will tend to make less hormones, which is a big source of our energy. So protein also steadies your blood sugar and it is necessary for all of our tissues to be repaired. So that would be the other reason that low protein is gonna make you feel less energetic. Also protein foods tend to come with iron and zinc and a lot of good nutrients. So if you have too much or too little exercise, you're gonna feel sluggish. If you have no exercise at all, everybody knows that feeling. If you just laid around all day, you didn't get enough lymphatic movement. Oops. But if you have too much exercise, you can just draw too heavily on the resources that are available. And it can be very hard. It's very hard for me to eat enough to keep up with a much higher load of exercise. I get much more tired than I get hungry. And then after a few weeks of really heavy exercise, I feel kind of fried. So <clears throat> too much exercise or too little exercise, only breathing indoor air. This makes me feel super blah and gross if I don't get fresh air. <clears throat> different people have different levels of sensitivity to this. I probably need an air filter. We live in a super, super dusty place and we open up our windows most of every day to keep the air going through because we don't have air conditioning right now. Now, if you have high histamine <clears throat> because of food intolerances or you have allergies to things in your environments, that is an energy sapper in itself too. It'll just make you feel kind of hazy and itchy and tired and gross. All right, so next one. So if you're trying to analyze your fatigue and you only have so much brain power because you already have a lot on your plate, you're trying to figure out where do I put my energy? What am I missing? Because I don't have the energy to try 20 different things to help my fatigue be better. So here's a few different ways that you could break it down and try to pinpoint what is causing my fatigue or what's the main factor or two and how can I address those? So I'm not trying to do everything. And of course, there's so many different ways to approach any of these problems. Ultimately, the thing to do is the thing that you can do, that you're willing and able to do. But if you're tired all the time, I, I'm definitely going to think low thyroid or low iron or just general stress or burnout or all of those, right? And we talked in the thyroid class about how low iron will over time contribute to having a low thyroid for a variety of reasons. So easiest thing, if you're already taking any vitamins, <clears throat> is just to get an iron supplement or a good multivitamin. That's a good place to start. Eat some more protein eat some more meat, mostly low thyroid. Yeah. If you're okay in the morning, you need a nap after lunch. This is somewhat normal. 
This is kind of how our circadian rhythm works. But I find this particularly to be an issue when I have a nursing baby, I am wiped. If I have somewhat low iron, so if I'm not supplementing pretty regularly, even though I like meat, even though I eat eggs most days, I will end up a little anemic pretty fast. So there's some kind of uh, inefficiency in the system there, but I'll start to want to nap after lunch. That's my first, that's my indicator. That's different from just wanting a break from the kids and wanting to lay down and be alone. <laughs> if I feel like I actually want to go to sleep for two hours, then that's, that's kind of a low iron signal for me. If I have too many carbs at lunch, which I, you know, I have practice with this. I've been carb sensitive for a long time. So I kind of know how to manage this, but sometimes I just don't. And mental fatigue is a huge thing, right? This is the main reason why moms have quiet time for their kids. You're managing a lot of people. They all need a break from each other and you need a break from them. And needing more minerals, especially in the summer, when it's hot, you're a little dehydrated. Just, yeah, all of that. You're sweating out your salt, your potassium, and various other minerals. So that liquid mineral supplement from now, you put a little bit of that in your juice or water. That's a really easy way. <clears throat> or any vegetables contain and fruit contain potassium. Not just bananas. Actually, they all do. Just bananas have a marketing team and the other fruits and vegetables don't have so much of a marketing team. So, Jen? Yeah? Hi. Um, that now supplement that you just mentioned, mm -hmm. is that just like a, like a yeah. mineral yeah, it's kind of thing? Or is it specific for increasing iron? Oh, no, no. It's just a general mineral supplement. It's now liquid minerals. It's about 10 or $15 for... I think a quart on Amazon. It's quite, it lasts a while. It's like a big, big bottle. We keep it in the fridge and my kids use it when they're getting growing pains. It's really helpful for that. Um, okay. But would that be helpful though, for somebody who does have low iron or anemia? Um, it's not going to hurt, but you would need iron on top of it. So the now liquid minerals is not a high iron supplement. Okay. It's just a variety of minerals, but you know, we, we need all the minerals. So I think it's a good idea in general to try to restock your minerals. But if you have low iron, you should be eating iron rich foods as much as you can, like meat and eggs and tuna. And then also um, just get a basic iron supplement. Like even if you go to CVS or Rite Aid, they'll have something like gentle iron and it's ferrous bisglycinate is the, usually the kind that's recommended. Okay. And that's pretty helpful. And and raising your iron levels? Yes, yes. Okay. The good thing about raising iron levels is when you're low, your body is usually really good at absorbing iron when you're extremely low. Okay. And a good iron supplement will come with B vitamins and maybe some vitamin C. And of course, as I said, you should probably take the iron supplement with food anyway. So that okay. it doesn't make you have a weird feeling in your tummy when all that, that minerals hit your, hit your stomach. So- Okay, thank you. Yeah. So I would say, um, whenever I'm talking about this with teenagers, I say, just get the iron supplement, just get one month at least because it'll get it up and you'll feel better so much faster. And then maybe you can kind of ride the wave. Maybe you won't need the supplement long-term, but for myself, I am taking iron more than half the time. 
I'll, I'll go a few weeks without it and it's fine, but I'll start to kind of feel it after a month if I'm not taking it for whatever reason. So I must just not eat quite enough iron foods. Just getting busy. Um, let's see. So yeah, minerals, especially in the summer. And I know, you know, Rebecca, where you live, it's pretty hot, just like Anne. And so that makes a big difference. Um, even with, even if you have AC and if you're tired in the morning, but you're picking up your energy in the evening, that can be that dysregulated cortisol pattern where you have low morning cortisol instead of high morning cortisol and dysregulated, uh, a whole dysregulated cycle where it's higher in the afternoon and it can make it harder for you to fall asleep. And if you have some days that are good and some days that you're tired and it seems a little kind of random, then I'm going to be thinking more about hormonal fluctuations, some kind of autoimmune thing, food sensitivities, irregular eating habits. You know, some days you're eating great. Some days you're living on peanut butter pretzels and I'm totally guilty of that. Um, and relationship or mental drama. And, you know, I think I've experienced all of these as those causing those random tired days. With my cycle, now that I'm older, I don't remember this being the case when I was younger, but I can anticipate getting probably one tired day in the last week of my cycle or the first day or two of my period. So if I have the choice, I will do very little on that day. I'll just kind of, you know, chill, read with the kids, take a nap. And there's probably stuff I could do about it, but if it's only one day, it's not the biggest deal. But I can definitely tie that to my cycle. That it, that often happens. And it's not, but it's not always the same day in my cycle. But I my conclusion or my theory so far is that it's the day that my hormones te- just drop a bunch. So maybe it's day 22 as things are coming down. I get a really tired day. It just depends. But um, in terms of energy, you know, autoimmune thyroid, like a Hashimoto situation, you're going to feel more tired if you have been eating foods that make your autoimmune stuff flare up. So if you've been eating more grains or more dairy or whatever it is that you're sensitive to, or eating foods that have high histamine, they're causing that kind of histamine response in you. That's going to make you feel more tired. So it could be, you feel really tired if you have a glass of wine or, um, certain fermented foods the night before you don't sleep as well. You wake up feeling kind of gross. And yeah, anything else? Maybe some, I'm probably, this is ringing a bell for many of us. Okay, so then here's just kind of an overview of different ways to boost your energy on a mental level. And um, I think one of the first things is figuring out what you can control and what you can't, right? You've probably seen that diagram. The circle of control is this tiny dot in the middle, the things you can actually control. And then what we tend to have concerns that are far past our amount of control that we can exert. So many people limit the news or even how often they check their email. And obviously you guys probably do this already of kind of limiting how much you're in contact with certain challenging people in your life. 
certain relatives, you just kind of, you know, you've got to pace yourself, keep it to 10 minutes, call them when you're just about to walk out the door, whatever, right? We, we kind of all do this a little bit. But sometimes there's one relationship where we haven't gotten it kind of managed like that. We haven't set a, a clear line in our mind and it's still kind of sapping our energy. Um, obviously praying about things has been, a, is it has been a huge help for women over the course of history because, you know, there's so many things you can't control, right? But somebody else maybe can control it and make that change. Um, getting outside or looking at pretty things. This is why we have house porn, right? I mean, this is why people scroll through Instagram and look at people's recipes or whatever that they made, why we like to buy candles and flowers, but it really, it really is nice, right? Or be out in the garden. Um, I find that it, it's an energy lift to just reorganize one thing that can actually get completed. And I know Rebecca has her house listed, so you probably did so much of this in your process of decluttering. So maybe every time you open your drawers now, you, you feel happy, but. I was laughing because you said candles and flowers. I said, oh, that's, I've been buying a lot of those lately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to have it look cute. Yep. It, it looks, your house looks like an Airbnb right now. So yeah, live it up. I hope it's a mental energy booster. Um, also, you don't have to spend as much time picking up kids stuff if you got rid of most of it, right? Um, <clears throat> so planning a time to call someone supportive, right? Whoever does have your back. And just keep up with all the relationships that are the really nice people that you might forget to keep in touch with. I find it nice to talk to someone on the phone while I'm doing a boring house task or watering or just something it takes a while, but isn't, isn't heavy duty physically. Um, make something pretty in your house or make someone feel happy, whatever, you know, it's studies show. If you make someone else happy, you feel happier yourself. Obviously it's really easy to make your toddler happy by doing some dumb game. Right. Um, but anybody, anybody will work. And anytime you can be in the house alone to read or relax, if, as long as you don't make yourself clean the whole time, that can be really nice. So this is where husbands are often willing to help. They'll take kids out to run errands. They'll buy the kids some food. They'll get them dinner or lunch while they are out running errands. It makes them feel like a good dad. And then you can have some time where it's just you. And I understand that you're going to want to clean for part of that time, but if you can have the discipline to actually put your feet up for part of that time, then that's really helpful. Um, so more mental energy boosters. I'm just, I was trying to come up with a really, really complete list. And obviously I spent a lot of time kind of thinking through all the different options from my own experience and what I was hearing about from other moms. So this is just kind of a reminder that resentment and hurt will totally sap your energy. Again, you feel very passive, kind of a passive victim kind of feeling, you know, and then anger is a huge energy, energy drain. Unless it's like, a, what's that? Ben-Hur, he says, hate keeps man alive. But, you know, that's not really the way you want to do it all day. So um, saying no to things. And lowering your standards or delegating to whatever. And I mean, obviously, most of us do this with our house, right? We simplify 
we figure out what's actually important to the husband, what's actually most important to me. And then what are all those nice things I used to do when I had one or two kids and I believe they should be done and now I don't, or maybe I'll do them later. Um, Getting perspective on difficult relationships with someone who's really got your back is so helpful because it could be that you're being unreasonable. It could be that you're being totally reasonable in your difficult relationship, whatever that is. And you can start to kind of lose your mind wondering whether it's you or whether it's them or how much is you and how much is them. So you want to talk to someone who loves you and will be honest with you and call you out. So whoever that is in your life, um, they are a big source of support. <laughs> Been through all that, yeah. Um, set boundaries to avoid wasting energy. So when or how long to talk to certain people, obviously what events you go to, how long you're going to think about a problem. This is a huge thing for me because I am just an overthinker. It's great for something like making presentations like this. It's not so great when I'm continually thinking about a problem that I have very little control over. So then I need to switch tasks. And interestingly, Edith Stein talks about how when we are mulling over an intractable problem in our life and we can't really solve it and we're feeling very emotionally stirred up, it can be useful to go think about math or philosophy or just something else, something that's not about feelings and some practical problem, right? So anytime you're able to take action, even like organizing that drawer or just think about something else, solve some other kind of mental problem. Oh, how do I want to rearrange these pillows or reorganize the kids' room or whatever? Um, this is part of why some people enjoy you know, their work is that it's just a, a task that can be solved, whereas relationships sometimes can't. Um, gray rock is this phrase that people use when you're dealing with a really difficult person. I think it's particularly, they're talking about doing it with narcissists because but I think, I think narcissism is an overused term, but basically if you have someone who's trying to get a rise out of you, trying to get you to react, trying to kind of jerk you around emotionally (laughs) and, um, they call it going gray rock. So you don't react or you do a really kind of non, a soft answer turns away wrath. Basically, this is a proverb. But if you have someone who's trying to kind of get your goat, they want to have a, an interaction with you where they kind of put you in your place or put you down or create some drama, that you don't have to be part of that. You have a choice. They're going to still be really mad. They're going to be like, oh, you don't care. Be like, oh, <laughs> you know, so, but everybody, yeah, exactly. I mean, some kids will just stir up trouble just because they're bored. And I'll, I also add, call people on their BS right away, politely before you're angry. Now, of course, if you have a short temper, if you're already burnt out, you're going to get angry really fast. <laughs> Even if you're angry, it's better to call them on it sooner, right? You don't want to be that woman who <laughs> puts up with stuff and puts up with stuff, and then you explode over some little thing, and everyone thinks you're a nutcase, when actually it's the straw that broke the camel's back, right? So you might look kind of bitchy in the short term, 
if you just call stuff right away, you might feel like that. Calling people on their BS right away without letting it go for a while. But people respect you more and you don't look so crazy. You might look a little bit bitchy, but you won't look like a crazy lady who just explodes for no reason. And people do learn to just not push you so much if you're always going to call them on their BS right away. So very much the case with kids, certain kids. Um, Anytime you can have empathy and respect without getting sucked into the drama people make for themselves. And again, yes, they might think you're not very caring. Um, And lastly, I found that listening to the Bible in a year made me feel hugely, hugely more resilient in my, any difficult interaction with other humans. And I'm pretty sure it's because so often in the Bible in a year, you know, Father Mike reads the Bible, you're thinking about it. (laughs) You're thinking about something that's not your own life. There is nothing like reading the Old Testament to put the comforts of modern life and the hassles of modern life in perspective, right? You just, you just can't angst about your first world problems quite the same way when you're listening to the Bible. But also, Father Mike says pretty much every episode, you know, God loves you. He cares about you. He chose you. He wants you to be with him. And, you know, you hear that hundreds of times in the course of a year. It really does kind of sink into your psyche. And so now I've found when somebody's irritated me for something that's objectively stupid, but normally I would get kind of, you know, stirred up by it. I'm just thinking in my head, like, I'm a child of God. He loves me, even though I didn't get the dishes done, you know? So it's just, it's weird. (laughs) Maybe it's not really that weird, but it's been a big surprise to me how helpful that has been. So I'm actually re-listening now. Now, food habits on a practical level, you got to stay hydrated. Probably not just water, water with other stuff. It seems to me that the older we get, the older one gets, the more challenging it is to find the right level of water, sodium, potassium, carbohydrates to stay hydrated. Sometimes when I drink water, it seems like it just goes right through me. And I just pee a lot and I don't actually feel any more hydrated. But Part of how we retain water is with our carbohydrates. So if you're super low carb, that's a consideration that can make it a little more challenging to stay hydrated. It doesn't have to be a lot of carbs though. You could just have, you know, a few apple slices with some water, but it will help you retain the water better. Eat enough salt. So many of us grew up in houses where there wasn't salt on the table because a dad was worried about his blood pressure or something like that. A lot of people are just not in the habit of salting their food. And then you'll crave really salty junk food snacks to try to even out your salt. So you might never salt your food. Your food tastes a little boring. Or you're buying like spice packets that have lots of salt. But then you're drawn to Cheetos or Fritos because you are craving salt or pickles. But I'll just encourage you to just salt your food and get a good quality salt, like the pink salt or some kind of sea salt that has minerals in it. Um, And obviously the basic is iodized salt, which people have different opinions about how great that is, but at least you're getting iodine from it. 
consider digestive aids because as you get older, you make fewer digestive enzymes. Many people say that putting a little apple cider vinegar in water and drinking that a little bit before a meal or putting some lemon in water makes them feel very, very better after a meal. Also, when we were talking about metabolism, we looked at some charts by this lady called Glucose Goddess, where she tracks her blood sugar depending on what she's eaten. And your blood sugar does not spike as much if you have apple cider vinegar or lemon juice with your meal. Probably because it just digests a little more smoothly. You want to correct if you're over or under eating. So obviously overeating will make you feel sluggish because your body has to just metabolize all this food you didn't need, but undereating will also make you feel sluggish. And my opinion is that moms who are attempting to eat only real food will often end up undereating, or even mostly real food, or you're just busy or you miss breakfast or your appetite's a little, you know, suppressed because you're too worried, whatever. So chronometer.com is a great reality check. If you can sit down in the afternoon and just remember what you ate for breakfast and lunch so far that day, just that day, and any snacks, it's free to make an account. It's, they have most foods you can imagine in their database. So you just enter eggs, whatever, and just people are often surprised how little they have eaten. And it kind of explains how you get so hungry in the after, in the evening if you've undereaten all day. And that's why you want the ice cream. So if you add protein to each meal and snack, that will tend to steady your blood sugar and just make everything work better. And if you limit problem foods and additives, so for me, MSG or flavorings will make me feel just a little bit like I'm going to die. I mean, it's just, it just feels bad if I have kielbasa or one of those soup mixes that has a bunch of MSG. I'll, I just, it kind of is like the whole back of my head, my spine hurts, and I just need to go lay down for an hour. It's very weird, but it's a thing. So if you are eating processed foods and it has cornstarch or all these different things, modified food starch, that all of those are affecting your, your nervous system and they're probably gonna make you not feel so good. Let's grab my charger. Um, if you're having, <laughs> obviously caffeine works. For some of you, it works better than you need it to work. And you just have to be judicious about how you're using the caffeine because it, obviously it can be overdone. And I've also heard moms tell me that juicing or these kind of high value smoothies are really helpful for getting their energy up. They can get all sorts of things into the smoothies that they don't have time or interest in eating, such as kale or <clears throat> spinach or flaxseed or whatever whatever the things are. And it's just less digestive work. It goes down easy. So if you're trying to eat a mostly whole food diet, smoothies can be kind of a compromise where you don't have to chew the food as much, but you're still getting the nutrients. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not a huge smoothie person right now, but it kind of comes and goes how much I like it. 
Um, the kids really like it. It's a good way to get extra calories in them and help them be in a better mood. And they feel like I'm such a good mom when I make them a, a yummy smoothie. Now, some more food habits are, especially if you're a little carb sensitive, you want to not have large quantities of fructose unless you're kind of intentionally carb loading. So I, I know I said you don't want to be undercarbed, but for me, if I eat a whole Costco apple, I'll feel kind of, it's too much. They're just really big. If I eat a little apple, that's fine. So those mini ones, those, I don't know what they're, you know, they're just like, they fit in the palm of your hand. That's about the right size amount of fructose for me to balance out, you know, to have be my fruit with a meal. Now there are times when I've been more active and I'm extremely carb hungry and then I go for it and that's fine. But if I did that all the time, when I'm not really that active, I would feel sluggish from overcarbing personal. Um, so eating slowly to the right point of fullness for me is a, is a surprisingly big factor in feeling energetic. Again, this is hard to gauge when you're eating fast or you're really tired. If you're already underslept, it's really hard to gauge hunger and fullness cues, which is all the more reason to try to eat slowly if you can, if you know you're underslept. <clears throat> and to drink that apple cider vinegar and water to just help your digestion. Um, avoid old or moldy foods like apples out of season. I find if I eat something like that, I'll well, it'll make my mouth kind of prickly. I just feel kind of gross. If you have any kind of thyroid thing, or even if you don't, you might consider avoiding goitrogen foods. So foods that can interact with thyroid hormones or dampen your thyroid a little bit. Here's some examples. There's tons of examples. If you Google this online, broccoli, peaches, cassava, millet, strawberries. There's so many, but as we said in the thyroid presentation, your results are going to vary. Not everybody reacts to all these foods, but just pay attention. If you're eating a single food, it's going to be pretty easy to tell if that peach makes you feel a little bit tired or the broccoli makes you feel a little bit gross or whatever. So just, just be aware of that. And maybe you'll eat less of those foods. Maybe you don't have to cut them out entirely, but just be aware that they might give you a little fatigue. In Asian medicine, they think that particularly as you get older, they don't use the word enzymes. They say you have less digestive fire. That's their kind of phrase for it. And so they think it's not great to eat a pile of raw vegetables, especially as you get older. Maybe a teenager could do that, but they would never recommend that for a 40 year old. So they would say, if you're gonna have raw vegetables like a salad, you need a vinegary dressing that's going to stimulate your digestion, which most of us like anyway. But just in case you were the kind of person to sit down and eat a pile of raw broccoli or cauliflower, not only does it have more goitrogen compounds before it's been cooked, it's also can be pretty challenging for your digestion. It can take a lot of digestive energy and make you feel less energetic. So I don't find that carrots do this, you know, a raw carrot, but also, I don't often, I don't always peel my carrots. The bitterness of the outer peel, I think might stimulate digestion. 
And also um, it takes a while to eat the carrot, right? Something like a cucumber, which it's kind of, it comes right out of the fridge, it's cold. That can make more of a, a little bit of a feeling of fatigue. Um, but usually I'm having salads with dressing and that's fine. Or cooked vegetables are a little easier to digest. So just something to be aware of. In Asian medicine, they also think that it's not good to drink iced beverages all the time or eat leftovers right out of the fridge. They don't think it's good for your stomach to eat cold things all the time. And actually, I think a lot of Europeans think this too. They think it's weird that we put ice in our drinks. I think ice in drinks taste great on a really hot day. But it's something to consider and be aware of that there's huge cultures that think that you should not ice so many things or eat so many things cold. And it might make a difference for you. All right, so some supplements. <clears throat> um, kelp obviously is good for your thyroid. It has iodine in it. Inositol is a kind of a, in the B vitamin family. And many people find that it just helps them feel better overall. I think it's modulating your, it's modulating your insulin and blood sugar. And I know, Anne, you, you had a kind of an experience where inositol kind of impacted your fertility because of the blood sugar aspect, right? Um, probiotics can help you feel more energetic because, well, because you're digesting your food better, basically getting more of the good stuff less of the, less of the bad bacteria and minerals. Like we talked about, such as liquid minerals added to water, it just on a chemical level, minerals are helping your body run its processes better. And B vitamins or a good multivitamin, which will also include minerals. I like mega food or twin lab. I like capsule multivitamins, not tablets. They feel easier to digest. There's a lot of good brands out there. I don't have any investment in any particular brand. The mega food worked well for me when I was expecting because it included a bunch of digestive things in the multivitamin. So it had ginger and some other herbs and it was really easy on my stomach. They say you can take it on an empty stomach. I would take it with a snack, like an apple at least or something. But I appreciated that it was not a multivitamin that I had to take with an, <clears throat> an entire full meal. And when I tried the rainbow light tablets, if I did not take them with a full meal, when I was expecting, I would, I would throw up or come close to throwing up, which is kind of dumb, but the mega foods were just much easier. Um, mega food makes an iron supplement called blood builder. Again, it comes with some extra herbs, digestive aids. B vitamins, vitamin C. It's a really nice supplement. It's small capsules. I think they have two sizes. They have blood builder and blood builder minis. So if you really don't like swallowing things, but you do need iron, you can get these mini capsules, um, liver powder capsules or Floridix. Just one thing to be aware of about Floridix. It's a gentle iron supplement, partly because it's liquid, partly because it's just not very concentrated. So if you're trying to get the same dose of iron from Floridix as from Blood Builder, you're going to be taking a lot of Floridix. But many people are not trying to get the same dose. They're trying to ease into it. If you know that you get a tummy ache when you have too much iron too fast, Floridix is the way to go. CoQ10 or ubiquinol is something that our body makes, but we tend to make it less well as we get older. Now, in my experience of taking CoQ10, 
I went through a couple of years where I took it pretty consistently and it really helped with that tendency to have the heart palpitations. I felt, actually, I don't even take it regularly now and I still don't get the heart palpitations the way I did when I was in my 20s. Oh, okay. Floridix is not wheat free for those with celiac. Okay, right. Um, so I first used CoQ10 pretty heavily when I was, I think after I had my third or fourth kid, I think my fourth pregnancy was the first one where I had no heart palpitations during pregnancy, which was terrific. But basically if you're taking CoQ10, the odds are you're correcting a deficiency. So CoQ10 will not, it's not like caffeine or ginseng where it's like literally giving you more energy. It's, it will, in my experience, it simply makes me feel not tired um, because it's replacing a deficiency. And also in my experience, after a period of time, it doesn't really have any noticeable effect on your energy, although it's probably still good for your heart because once you've corrected the deficiency, it's it's not going to be the biggest factor that's left, you know, it will, you would move on to other things that you need to um, work on, but definitely for a few months, this should be a big part of whatever you're trying to do to feel better because your body's probably has not been making enough of this. Now there are adaptogens. There's a whole families of adaptogens such as rhodiola, ginseng, ashwagandha, royal jelly, and they all have different kinds of flavors to them. Um, I don't, I've taken some of these at some times, uh, Royal jelly is what bees used, what bees used to turn one of the bees into a super fertile queen bee. So it's obviously very nutrient dense because all the bees are genetically the same and they just pick a female and feed her this special food. And she becomes a fertility goddess, enormous bee. And then ginseng, you know, and rhodiola and ashwagandha, these are obviously herbs, um, I find that ginseng does increase my energy. It also really increases my appetite. So if I don't eat a bunch more, I'll feel kind of gross an hour after I've had ginseng. So I just have to kind of, you know, take that into account. Um, ashwagandha and rhodiola are particularly taken for thyroid autoimmune aging kind of things where it's a long-term fatigue situation. And so those seem to be really popular with, with women who are trying to just kind of long-term gently boost your energy. If histamine is part of what's making you fatigued, there are a lot of good natural antihistamine formulas. So if you look up something, how would you Google this? Um, yeah, herbal asthma formula or something like that. They'll have a combination of different things that are clinically proven to lower your histamine or modulate kind of allergy symptoms. And in my experience, they all work. They all work just as well as Claritin. And also they have their own health benefits like quercetin is just good for you anyway. So if you feel like histamine is part of it, if it's a food thing or an environment thing, a supplement like Just Breathe is probably going to help a lot. They also tend to have some zinc and vitamin C and maybe some B vitamins, but they'll have these other herbs that are specifically helpful for histamine. Oh yeah, seeking health. Yeah, you really that you said that one works really well for you, right? Probiota. And Amory, you started taking that one because some of the other probiotics would make you feel kind of weird, but this is one that's specifically designed to not raise your histamine. 
yeah, I I started taking that one specifically because a lot of other um, probiotics and things that said that they were good for both the histamine and for the uh, for the histamine lowering side effects and for the um, probiotic load, they were bothering me and making me feel really, um, I don't know if anxious is the right word or just like wound really, really tight. Um, and so I had been researching it for a good long while, wondering what the heck would actually help. And I already figured that my histamine, um, um, I guess you call it a bucket was pretty darn full with everything else that I have to have to deal with. And I started taking this stuff and the instantaneous difference within the first week was amazing. And it's cheaper than a lot of other high quality um, probiotics out there, especially if, if you were to have to take that in combination with an anti-inflammatory slash histamine lowering thing. Um, so it works for me. I don't know if it would work for other people, but it works for me. Yeah, Seeking Health also has these little B12 capsules that I know Anne's husband takes and my husband actually even takes, even though he doesn't like taking things because they're so small and they just dissolve in your mouth. So if you're trying to, you know, give your husband a little energy boost and they're not going to do all this stuff, the Seeking Health B12, I mean, if both of our curmudgeonly husbands will take it, then you know it's a winner. Um, and yeah, the probiotic thing is interesting because there was a probiotic that I had and it didn't make me have any side effects except making me kind of gassy, which was my hesitation taking it. But my friend said it gave her a headache. So it must've been raising her histamine. And then after I had been eating a lot more fiber for a while, eating more carrots and things like that, when I went back and took that probiotic supplement again, it didn't have such an effect of making me gassy. And so I, you know, I finished the bottle because I was already bought it. Might, might as well. So, all right. See you later, Rebecca. And some more foods that can boost your energy would be nutrient dense foods like oysters, sardines, and organ meats, which basically means getting high quality sausage because nobody actually wants to eat organ meats unless you're one of the rare people that loves liver and kidneys and all that kind of stuff but I love oysters. They're kind of expensive. Sardines. Um, I really like high quality sausage. So that's an easy way for me to get organ meat. If we, if I make the time to find the sausage, that's going to work really well. And slow carbs, because you do need carbs, but you also don't want to spike your insulin or blood sugar too much. If you're already in a very dysregulated, tired place, so carrots, beans, sweet potatoes, potatoes. I don't care what it says on the glycemic index. If you're eating it with fat and protein, sweet potatoes are not the problem with making people gain weight or dysregulate their insulin. Like you got to look at it in the context of a whole meal. Any fermented foods that you know agree with you that are not going to spike your histamine. So maybe that's a certain brand of pickle or your own homemade kombucha or different fermented foods that are actually like the right mix for you. And this is very individual. There's going to be a lot of trial and error. If you start just buying fermented foods off the shelf, they may or may not agree with you. Particularly if you don't tolerate dairy that well, you don't necessarily want to 
um, go get a bunch of different yogurts or whatever, but you might try kimchi. Um, I, and I think it would depend how well you're, you're metabolizing it. If a person has compromised gut flora, my understanding is they won't process legumes very well because it's a comp, it's more complex to break it down. And also legumes should be soaked before they're cooked. And they're often not because we're lazy. So those two factors, um, in theory should mitigate some of the histamine. But again, if it totally doesn't agree with you, there's other things you can eat, but yeah. And for me, um, I definitely have to watch how much dairy I eat. I like fatty foods, but I have to kind of hit the right spot of fat foods. Uh, I think with rice, if you rinse it, you're getting most of the, the vitamins off of it, which some people still think you should get off because they don't think it's the right type of vitamins, but yeah, I don't know about rinsing the rice. We don't rinse it. It does change the texture of the rice and some people like it better that way. All right, so behaviors. Thanks for sticking with us, Monica. I know these keep running a little longer than I thought, but I mean, I only have a few more slides, I think. So for me, these are things that help me to feel more energetic. Um, I often have a lot going on and I'm kind of lazy about exercise and I may or may not feel like doing an actual workout that day. But if I'm stretching and doing small exercises around the house, like standing on the standing on one leg while I wash dishes or balancing or kind of doing a half squat while I vacuum. If I do a couple squats while the coffee's making or the microwave's running, raise my arms, just, you know, change the circulation a little bit. <laughs> if I pick up the house for five to 15 minutes, so everything looks better in my peripheral vision, then that makes me feel better. <laughs> And if I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, obviously I just set the timer and just like, I'm just going to make it five minutes better, 10 minutes better, whatever, whatever I feel up for. But we are so aware of our peripheral vision so much more than we realize. This is why you always see a snake on the side of the path when you're hiking or most of us. This is why it makes such a big difference when you vacuum. I was just thinking this the other day. You know, we get all these little things all over the floor and we already have an uneven color and texture on our floor. So logically I'm thinking, even if I vacuum, it's not going to look that much better. And yet when I vacuum, it looks way better because my brain still knows on the floor, which of those pieces are dust and debris and which of it's the floor. So it's, it's weird. It's weird, but we can't get away from how alert our brain is to our peripheral vision. Um, open the windows if it's fresh air that you need. Oops. Know when your cycle might make you tired. So I kind of listed a few days after ovulation or around my period. Do one thing at a time for longer stretches to get some flow because that can just be more restful for your brain. And I'm not very good at doing this, but this is a very typical recommendation. Do things in the same order so there's less thought involved. And to, to the small extent that I do things in the same order, there is less thought involved. Like 
putting in a load of laundry first thing in the morning, taking my vitamins when I make coffee or tea. So that does make a difference. So whatever extent you can make that happen or you're already making it happen, it's actually already sparing your energy. But it's made me feel so much calmer to do more of one thing at a time instead of trying to multitask. And I know they say you get more done when you do think one thing at a time. I do not think that is true for <laughs> chores in my life. I think it's the same or even less, but I feel much calmer. So that's still worth it. All right. So these are all behaviors that can lower your cortisol so that you can get into a better cortisol cycle and save your cortisol for when you really need it instead of just calling it up all day when you could just slow the pace of your life. There are going to be times when you have no choice but to burn through a bunch of cortisol and raise your adrenaline, but that's really not every day for years and years, I hope. Okay, so take a rest and have an off-duty time to lower your cortisol and allow your body to make more other hormones. And <clears throat> particularly as you get into perimenopause and progesterone starts to become an issue, you don't want to be telling your body to make tons of cortisol because it will make less progesterone and that will make your menopause symptoms or your perimenopause symptoms more dramatic because the ratio of estrogen to progesterone is a large part of what shapes your mood and how heavy your bleeding is. So the more you can keep your progesterone up by keeping your cortisol at the right level, lower, then the better you're gonna have a ratio with your estrogen and progesterone and the better you're gonna feel through your 40s, late 30s. So notice when you start to get tired and recharge rather than pushing through for 20 more minutes. I think this is probably the absolute biggest thing for moms. Because the mom behavior that we tend to get into is we start feeling tired and we're like, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to feel tired. I want to sit down. Just can do some more stuff real quick because I know once I sit down, I don't want to get up because I'm so tired, right? So you power through and power through. But <clears throat> you could just actually sit down as soon as you're tired and quickly recharge for. 20 minutes on the couch, cup of tea, whatever, and then get up and do another 10 minutes of working around the house. Maybe you don't believe that, but if you try it, I think you'll be able to do that. But it's such a habit that moms get into. One mom I know said that her kids are not trained to nap, but they are trained to leave her alone while she drinks a cup of tea for 10 or 15 minutes. So throughout the day, she will make herself a cup of tea and the kids know to leave her alone. They know she will sit down and slowly sip that tea until it's done, unless someone is actually bleeding out. And they could come and ask her a really urgent question, but they're not supposed to come talk to her other than that. So, you know, if you think your kids could be trained that tea is special mom time, also they can see that they won't have to leave you alone forever. It will probably be less irritating to your kids than when you try to relax by looking at your phone and they feel neglected. 
So uh, sit or lay down whenever possible, such as when reading to kids. They don't care whether you're sitting or laying down when you read to them. And solve whatever problems and finish whatever you can just to have that sense of satisfaction. There's probably something in your life that you can solve or finish that's gonna just help you feel better. I find that listening to classical music <clears throat> helps me feel calmer and be more organized and more tidy in how I approach the household tasks. It also helps the kids behave better and be calmer. So it spares me energy managing their drama. Um, and any or any music you really enjoy, right? In the evening, it might be something a little more jazzy or whatever, but I, I find that for the morning, classical music gets everybody off on the right foot and really helps me have a much less work as a mom. And the kids don't really carry the way. If they got their Play-Doh out, they don't care that there's music playing or not or what type of music it is. As long as it's not very sad classical music. So you have to look for upbeat classical music on Spotify, or you might get the drama llama classical music that just stirs up everybody's feelings and makes the kids cry. So if it's classical music for studying or work or sleeping, or it says upbeat, any of those should work. All right, so I think this might be the last supplement. If you're going to take a supplement that lowers your cortisol, um, I put this slide in here because people say, oh, I took the supplement to lower my cortisol because I know my cortisol is too high. And now I feel worse. I feel exhausted. I feel like a train hit me. But here's the thing, cortisol is naturally high in the morning. So that is not the ideal time to take a supplement that lowers your cortisol. Because it, if it works, which it probably will, it's going to make you feel more tired. And you'll say, oh, that didn't work, but it actually totally worked. So the time to take a cortisol lowering supplement, such as Relora, which is a couple different herbs combined, or there's all sorts of cortisol lowering supplements, is at night when your cortisol should be going down anyway, and you're trying to get back to a more normal cortisol cycle. And do not take B vitamins, kelp, or CoQ10 at night if you are going for relaxation. If your husband wants you to stay up and watch a movie and you're trying to be fun, maybe take B vitamins or CoQ10. I would still not take kelp at night. If you're on a thyroid medication, they would never tell you to take it at night. They tell you to take it in the morning, preferably an hour before you eat on an empty stomach, I believe. So you really do not want to be stimulating your thyroid at night. If you anticipate that your husband is going to want you to be super fun wife. What I tell my friends is take B vitamins and CoQ10 with dinner. It'll buy you a couple of hours of feeling pretty fun. It should not prevent you from going to sleep if you take it at six, but it will make you feel somewhat less tired through the evening. Again, I would not suggest you do this every night, but when the stars have aligned, and you're supposed to be super fun lady, this is a strategy. All right. Um, and general things about improving your sleep quality, which of course is gonna improve your energy through the day. 
you should really check for sleep apnea. It's so common as people get older, your tissues get kind of soft and saggy on the inside. Your adenoids get a little swollen. It seems to be related to adrenal fatigue, just general being, generally being worn down. Who knows why? Who knows what's the chicken and what's the egg? But it is a thing. And it seems like we're finding it in younger and younger people now that we're looking for it. So you could record yourself on a voice memo. You could record yourself sleeping all night if you have enough room on your phone. You could actually go in for a sleep setting. You could ask your husband or your kids, do I snore? Do I have gaps in my breathing? And that is a huge, huge energy sapper. That's a, and correcting sleep apnea will probably make a bigger difference than anything else we mentioned here. Yeah, he won't go in. Yeah. Yep. Um, my husband snores, but does not stop breathing. He's just snores when he's in certain positions, but his breathing is completely regular. But he's, he's very active and he's very lean. So, you know, he's exhausted, but he doesn't have any extra fat in his tissues. So it's better. Yeah, right. And so the natural factors, stress, relax, tranquil sleep, that supplement I mentioned earlier, and these other supplements. So you really, really want to improve your sleep quality. Some people find that glycine and salt, glycine is an amino acid. It tastes kind of sweet. It's a calming amino acid. And having something salty at night really helps their sleep. If you're going to have a snack, some people just find that a carby snack, a carby fatty snack improves their sleep, not necessarily protein. So a potato, like last night I had a bowl of applesauce. Some people like to have a carrot. The other thing about having a carby snack at night, if you've been eating enough throughout the day, if you have plenty of amino acids circulating in your system and you eat a carby snack at night, a slow carb snack, it can ensure that the serotonin levels in your brain get to be optimal in the course of the night. It will probably make you have some dreams, which of course help you know that you slept deeply and help you feel better in the morning. And particularly if you're finding yourself waking up in the middle of the night, it's probably partly that you're under eating or under carving. So I think every time I've done whole 30 by the second half of the 30 days, I'm waking up in the middle of the night, most nights, because I'm just not quite able to get enough calories in the course of every day, unless I eat a whole bowl of oranges or tons of hash browns or something that's not really very whole 30 in spirit to get enough calories. So, <clears throat> all right. I think that is my last slide. I think that's the last one. Yep. All right. Well, thanks ladies. Do you guys have any questions or comments now that we've wrapped that up? Um, what, uh, since like, if, if the person in your life that has all of these things going on, you can't get them to go and take care of any of these things. What's the best war plan to go forward with trying to help 
with these things on your own to prevent a far worse scenario down the road. Like high blood pressure has gone on so long that you have to worry about them having a heart attack or a stroke or they're all so messed up. They just, it's just, they're on the hairy edge of nowhere all the time. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a really challenging question for guys because, you know, I think women are maybe wired to be a little more proactive. We have that sense of responsibility for the kids and of course being pregnant and nursing just heightens that sense of responsibility. Um, for, yeah, I don't know. Guys just burn themselves out faster. Um, well, for one thing, I think the most important thing in your mind is to realize it's, you know, there's only so much you can do. There's limits to your control. Unfortunately, I would love to have the leverage to make my husband do all sorts of things, but, but there's a lot of things he doesn't want to do for his health. Right. Um, over time, he has ended up doing a lot of things that I would have tried to talk about doing when someone else was doing it and it was working for them. So ironically, you know, Dave has ended up taking vitamins. If I buy gummy vitamins, he's ended up taking the B12 that you suggested, Anne, because it's, um, it's so small. Mm-hmm. He's ended up taking different brain supplements at certain points, as long as they were liquids, because he doesn't like pills because he really does need an edge to focus on his computer work. And lastly, he's ended up going gluten-free for over a year. Oh my goodness. I forgot about that. Yeah. And it was because some other people we know seemed like they were really healthy physically from doing it. And now that he experienced it for himself, he won't go back. He won't go back to eating gluten all the time because he, he knows it makes his skin break out. It makes his skin touchy. He doesn't feel as good. He feels more anxious when he's on it. So, you know, I had all this theoretical stuff and I was trying it out for a long, long time before he tried out anything. And I'm not even sure how much my trying it made a difference versus seeing other guys doing it. But you get old enough and your guy friends start talking about all the things that they're doing for their health. It becomes a thing. Yeah. So I think that was a big factor. And then once he saw it for himself, it made a huge difference. And then he had decided to stick with it, but it was his own thing. Not because I told him to, um, but the B, the B vitamins, the B12 he takes because he does need more energy for his work and more focus, yeah. just more pleasant. So yeah, I think it's a very slow sell on the guys, but if they see you being more and more energetic, they're going to want to know what you're doing. Well, for the B vitamin thing, the uh, methylfolated B12 thing from the Seeking Health that my husband takes, I had been trying to get him to take that for a while and had been bringing it up. And all of the research that I had done for the for his liver, for the fact that it's so obvious that he's so deficient in all these things and that he can't take regular run-of-the-mill um, uh, um, vitamins for these things because of the process, because how your body actually brings it into your system and into your cells and uses it and other forms of things this act- are actually toxic for his body type and it took his mother buying it for him and sending it to him 
no contact with me about it whatsoever. She had found it. And she had found it based off of what his sister Suzanne had come up with, with her own experience where folic acid made her feel angry and depressed. But folate did not. And so his mom actually found this on Amazon. And then when I saw the bottle, I was like, I've been trying to get you to take this forever. So I, I have it, found it really helpful to enlist, to enlist family. You know, I'll make my case. It seems totally reasonable. He's not buying it. And now I just kind of stop making my case. And when it comes up around family, I'll bring it up around them. And fortunately, a lot of the extended family is working on their own health too, like you said. And yeah. so then we get to reap the benefits of that because, you know, we've got my brother-in-law and he's trying different things for his health issues. And um, Dave's parents are doing things, you know, they are trying different diets and things, and they'll kind of talk about it and he can see the results, but ultimately, you know, guys want to see results. They actions speak louder than words. If whatever you're doing is working and you clearly feel excellent and you have more energy and you have more libido than you used to have, that is a huge sell. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. You're making it look good. Yeah. He went from basically 75 year old man to almost 40 year old man, which is, which is what he is. It's really nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, and but, well, for you too, I mean, if you're, if you're trying to convince him that a certain supplement or whatever is what he should take, but you can't get on top of your own energy and sleep, then, you know, how much credibility do you really have? Oh yeah. And it's, and it's been that way, mostly because I have so much to do. I don't always remember to, to um, take my vitamins, but after the previous class that you did, um, talking about, you know, the, the, the thyroid and iodine and everything else, I actually went on to Amazon and it happened to be during prime day and ordered myself the, um, the, uh, iodine, um, by a company that I've gotten things from them before because of having to keep my potassium up. It's called life extension and it's the sea iodine. Um, but I took one this morning and, you know, granted, this is just my personal experience. I took one this morning and while you've been doing the class this morning, I went out and dug the duck pond and I feel like I'm 30. And that so yeah, one thing to be aware of with iodine is that if you, if you supplement iodine without supplementing the, a wider variety of nutrients, you'll tend to get more of a short-term lift. Like you'll feel better for a few weeks, but then you might feel worse because it will encourage your thyroid to raise a little bit and stimulate your metabolism. But then if you don't have all the other nutrients to back it up, metabolically, okay. you can kind of hit the wall after two or three weeks. So just to be aware of that, there was a time when I would encourage a lot of people to take kelp and said, Oh, you're probably missing iodine. And they'd say, yeah, I feel great. And then they'd come back to me three weeks later and say, actually, I don't feel so great now, but I, I did some research and it was clear that what was happening is, uh, they weren't having the full range of nutrients to support their metabolism to be faster. So okay. you stimulate with- metabolism to be faster, but not have the B vitamins, the zinc, oh, okay. et cetera, okay. to support it. So just make sure that you're, you're taking a, a wider spectrum than just the iodine. Oh, I am. I am. And where I was getting with that was, is John came out 
while you were finishing talking and he said that I looked so, so, so much better and so much happier and like I felt better today. And then I told him about this. He goes, well, maybe I should take some because he's been seeing how awful I have been feeling. The last two days, I haven't felt like doing anything, no energy at all. And I took this this morning and I told him that I had um, dug the duck pond and he goes, oh my gosh, okay, I need to take some. So I handed him one of the bottles. I said, yeah, so there you have it. Yeah. And That's he's great. already taking vitamins. Yeah. And so I just have to make sure he gets the other ones too. Right. So yeah. So I think for, um, if he, if he doesn't, he doesn't like swallowing things, right? So you want to get gummy vitamins. No. They're not the highest quality, but it still gives you something and you can take quite a lot of them. And so it actually, he, he personally doesn't like gummy vitamins. He would rather go with very few pills or a lozenge that, um, you know, goes under your tongue or something chewable or some, well, not like chewable gummy, kind of depends. Um, the, the, uh, methylfolated B12 lozenge is kind of like a fine line because it's very tiny and you can chew it or you can have it so which is how you're supposed to do it but he would rather something that it doesn't remind him that it's going into his body um and that's yeah there's also there's also powdered vitamins mega food makes a powdered men's multi where it's not in capsules it's just like a scoop and it doesn't i it doesn't taste bad it doesn't really have much taste if you put it in juice you'd be like won't drink a smoothie yeah no i'm just i'm saying this stuff doesn't actually taste so bad that you would need to have it in a smoothie Okay, good. So, okay. Yeah, I would I'd give that a shot. It's like $20 for the, the package. It's not a big investment to try it out. Um, in fact, we should probably wrap up the recording there. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I just realized we should stop the recording because probably other people are going to want to listen to the whole thing. But I think that's a really important question that you asked that, you know, maybe you're not the only person in your household that's low on energy. Maybe the husband is also, and that's contributing to a lot of your stress. And that's a really common scenario that you're both tired and maybe your husband has been taking even worse care of himself than you as the busy mom. Mm -hmm. It's very common. And so a lot of these techniques would work for guys. They may or may not take your word for it, but if you, if you can show them that it works, then they get curious. And I think that gives you a lot more credibility. And then hopefully also in the background, there's the extended family also experimenting, also putting some pressure on and suggesting the same things that you would suggest, but it's just good to hear it from somebody else. So, Oh, this, I just want to say this, this kind of zinc, the Mary Ruth's ionic zinc is the only zinc that doesn't bother me. Oh, it doesn't bother your tummy. It doesn't bother me. And there's no taste at all. And there's no like, you know, uh, the, the straining of all your, all of your saliva after you have it or everything tastes weird. Yeah, after stringent it. effect. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I see, okay. I'm not there. I'll, I'll put, I'll note that because yeah, I usually just take the gummies, but, but yeah. yeah gummies. I can't eat afterwards for a couple hours. <laughs> all, all right. right. Well, yeah. Thank you everybody. Thanks everybody for listening. And those of you are going to watch this later. Uh, you know, email questions. I hope this has been helpful. Take care.